Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. If you're like most translators, you'd rather spend your time translating than digging through your inbox in different Excel files. But too many translators spend hours every week manually managing their jobs and clients. Invoicing, financial tracking, and keeping track of all your jobs doesn't need to be so time-consuming. In fact, you can do it easily from one easy-to-manage platform made by and for translators. You can create and send quotes, manage your rates and services for each client, manage projects, and send invoices all from one place. It automatically creates financial reports for you, so you always know the health of your business. Ready to stop wasting time on admin and start spending more time translating? Try LSP Expert for free for 30 days. Just type lsp.expert into your preferred browser and use the code HAFA for 15% off a new yearly subscription. Once again, the code is R-A-F-A. Take control of your translation business admin today. Procrusty Syndrome Just the other day, I saw a meme that said, you will never be criticized by someone who is doing more than you. It hit me at the right time, because I needed that reminder. I think most of us do, don't we? More specifically, I saw that meme on one of my social media timelines after I posted a link to a translation confessional episode and got some pretty negative feedback from someone who seems to be very uncomfortable for some reason with the fact that this podcast exists. The comment was along the lines of how I was constantly pushing my product and trying to be an influencer. Okay, it's just a podcast, and it's free. Nobody has to pay anything to listen to these little stories about the ups and downs I've been observing in the translation segment for almost a quarter of a century now. Besides, if someone doesn't want to listen to it, they don't have to. (laughs) It's so easy. If you see a post online, just keep scrolling and move on. But it seems that some people can't help but chime in, right? As the saying goes, If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Anyway, in Season 1, Episode 3, I addressed the imposter syndrome issue and followed up on it in Episode 28, Have You Ever Felt Like a Fraud? Because translators and interpreters sometimes don't feel like we're good enough just because most of what we do is so subjective 
And there isn't a fail-proof set path to achieve success in our field. It's almost like a lot of us are always second-guessing ourselves. Besides that, last week I mentioned how a quality assurance person who gave me bad ratings on a couple of subtitling projects caused the translation agency we were both working for to kind of stop sending me work. So why am I talking about feeling confident in your skills and receiving unjustified negative feedback? Well, because I came across something I had never heard about before, but have experienced a few times. Procrustes syndrome. A whole new world opened up to me after I found out about it. I must have said it a few times here already, but I really believe in serendipity. And when I take a break from work, I often like scrolling through social media and try to find something new or interesting I can learn about. It could be a song or a movie that a friend is recommending. It could be a translator whose story is pretty interesting and could spark up a conversation here on the podcast. It could be a new insight or something work-related, as it happened with Procrustes Syndrome. I was scrolling through Facebook while giving my brain a break after I wrapped up a translation project, and I saw a post on a group called Resource Center for Certified Interpreters. It was created by medical and court interpreter Tony Valle, who had invited me to join the group, even though I'm not an interpreter at all, to kind of bring a translator's perspective to the discussion from time to time. Tony posted an article about Procrustes Syndrome. He really explained a lot of what I see around in the translation and interpretation field, and have even experienced in my personal life, not only towards me, but also towards loved ones. So I decided to sit down and talk to Tony about it, so we could better identify this kind of issue and learn how to deal with Procrustean characters that may pop into our lives here and there. After this brief break, check out our conversation and feel free to reach out if you have come across someone who acts like Procrustes. What is the most fundamental tool translators have? Yes, our language. And we must be the grammar and spelling police, not only when we're working on a project, but also when we're communicating with clients or interacting with peers online. We must use our language as well at all times. With that in mind, one tool I've been using for a while now, and I do use it constantly, is Grammarly. I've activated it on my email so I don't make any mistakes when sending a message to a client. I also have it available to me in Google Drive so I can use it when reviewing my students' translations into English or when I'm writing my own articles and brainstorming podcast episodes. And because I do translate into English very often, the premium version helps me keep my last draft sharp and ready for delivery. If you'd like to try out the world's best automated proofreader, visit bit.ly slash tc dash grammar. It's easy to remember. TC stands for Translation Confessional, followed by Grammar. Once again, you can visit Grammarly at bit.ly slash tc dash g-r-a-m-m-a-r. 
Keep your English sharp. Thank you so much for sitting down with me now and talking about it. We had a few conversations already just uh, informally, but I wanted to record this because it's a subject that I don't think a lot of people talk about. And I found out about it because of you posting something on the topic. So um, tell me what we're talking about here today. Yes, thank you so much, Rafa. So thank you for inviting me and giving me this opportunity to talk about a very interesting topic. So first of all, uh, just by way of introduction, then I'd like to introduce myself to, to your audience. So my name is Tony Valle. I'm uh, a certified interpreter. And so I interpret currently at UCLA Medical Center. I'm also a certified court interpreter. And so I've had some experience interpreting for the courts in San Bernardino and Orange and Los Angeles counties. So I created a forum on Facebook for interpreters called the Resource Center for Certified Interpreters on Facebook. And the main thrust of that forum is always, has always been to encourage our interpreter colleagues to achieve certification goals, whether it's for medical or for court, state, federal. And uh, so consequently, I keep a very limited focus, right? And so I came across this article that was called the Procrustis Syndrome, do well, but don't do better than me. <laughs> and uh, as I read the article, I thought, boy, this looks interesting. And then my, my inclination was to want to put it up on the forum, but then I thought, well, does this encourage our interpreter colleagues to achieve their certification goals? And, and I realized the answer to that was no. However, I still felt that there was some value in this because I knew that in my professional working life, I had definitely encountered someone that I could identify as a procrustis personality type. And I encouraged actually our colleagues to respond. I said, if you have encountered somebody like this, please reach out to me. And I understood the sensitivity of it. I said, and if you feel more comfortable, just send me a private message. And lo and behold, I got some very interesting responses. And so I'm, I ended up being very happy that I posted that article. And lo and behold, you were one of the uh, individuals that did respond to me that wanted to talk about this. So I thought, okay, terrific. So that was in October of last year. Yes. Well, now I think the big question is, what is procrustis syndrome? Oh, you found the article, you posted it, we talked about it. And it's something mm -hmm. that, like I said, it happens to many people, but we don't know how to name it. We don't know what it is. So right. uh, I do believe that once you name something, you can identify it better. So Absolutely. explain the whole backstory behind Procrustes Syndrome. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about the Procrustes Syndrome because that was the main focus of the article. But in wanting to understand the Procrustes Syndrome, then you also kind of want to figure out, well, who was Procrustes, right? And he is a character from Greek mythology. Tell me about mm -hmm. the background. Why, why, this, uh, why does it take this name? You said that it's a character. Yeah. Where did yeah. this come from? Uh, yeah. Because you said it's Great. Greek mythology, and uh, I, I lack some knowledge in that area, but I think that right. this one is very fascinating. It is, it is. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because obviously we have a lot of, you know, Greek characters in, in, in our everyday lives that, that, that come up, right? We, we know about the, the, the narcissistic personality, right? We know when, oh, he, that, that person is just in love with themselves, right? They're a narcissist. Well, that comes from the Greek character Narcissus, right? Who, through a series of circumstances, ended up falling in love with his own reflection in the pool. And so that was the great tragedy that he never fell in love with anyone else because he was cursed by falling his, in love with his own reflection. And then, of course, when he went to go touch his face, then it's that ripple effect in the water, right? 
So we have Narcissus. We, we have the, uh, the Pandora's box. That figure Pandora comes from Greek mythology. So we also have Procrustes, who I had never heard of before this article, but he is actually very interesting. So to start with, Procrustes is the son of Poseidon. Poseidon is one of 12 Olympians in ancient Greek religion and myth, who's the god of the sea, storms, earthquakes, and horses, right? So he come, Procrustes comes from royal blood, let's say, in Greek mythology. Now his name means the stretcher, or who hammers out the metal. So Procrustes then, in terms of his trade, was a blacksmith. And a blacksmith is just simply someone who works with iron. So besides being a blacksmith then, he also had, uh, he was an innkeeper. So he had a little, a little inn, right? And there were people that would travel to uh, his city of Eleusis, right, for a, a religious festival, travelers that were coming through. And what he would do is very charming. He would stop one of these travelers and say, oh, you know, why don't you come to my inn, check it out, you know, I'll treat you to a nice dinner, and then, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. So he would entice people to come in for a dinner. And then as they were comfortable and he showed them some good hospitality, he says another thing too, I invite you to spend the night here. He said, because I have the most unique and the most comfortable beds. He said, and what makes them so special is that each bed is custom fit for you. The bed perfectly fits your size. Oh, well, that's, that's a novelty. That sounds wonderful, right? And so again, he would entice them. And then once they laid in the bed, Procrustes would come, tie their hands and feet to the bed. And if they were too long for the bed, he would chop off their arms, right? He would chop off their head to make them fit to his bed. Got it. And then if they were too short, he would stretch them out. You know, right? he's the stretcher, right? So he would stretch them out to fit the bed. And so he's very much a destroyer, right? He, he, he fools people with the intent to destroy them. And so that is, that is who he is in, in a nutshell. And what's happened is that now that expression, if you're in a Procrustean bed, it means that you are having to conform to a standard or a set of conditions that are arbitrarily set, but that you're forced to conform, conform to. Okay. So that is basically, in a nutshell, who Procrustes is, which also then um, gives you kind of an idea of, of his personality, right? So the Procrustean personality is this, that he's merciless and cruel. He appears to be friendly and sympathizing and charming at first, but then ultimately Procrustes shows no shame, no sorrow for the many innocent people he kills. Although he hates it when the people, when the, when the guests don't fit his bed, He's seven feet tall, right? So he doesn't fit his bed either, right? And that's the great irony. He doesn't fit it either, right? But he wants everybody else to fit into this bed. He also is someone who despises being questioned or mistrusted. Now, what I think is so brilliant about the Greeks is that they certainly have identified these archetypes of personalities and people that we, all these thousands of years later, do also encounter in our lives. Rafa, there is no question but that I definitely, in my life as an interpreter, have encountered uh, a Procrustean personality who is an interpreter who fits this to a T. There's really? just no, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Okay, so the Procrustean syndrome is simply this. It's when, uh, when a person, when a colleague looks down upon another colleague, in particular, if that colleague they know is more talented or skillful than they are, so they will reach a point where they will even discriminate or harass that particular person as a way to kind of cut them down. 
So that's already kind of a sign that you're dealing with a Procrustes uh, personality. Let's say if you've got a group of interpreters that all kind of work in the same space or a group of translators that are working in the same space, then, then that's when that can happen. But believe it or not, it can happen, especially these days as we are kind of so connected to each other or we can be if we choose to be through different forums and we post things and we kind of put ourselves out there for the sake of getting ourselves out, if you will, and then someone comes along and decides, well, you know, again, I don't like you for X, Y, and Z reason, and so I'm going to kind of come after you. I'm going to try to humiliate you and embarrass you and hopefully maybe get you off of this particular forum they like to be a part of, for example. Yeah. Another feature is that they themselves do not do anything to, to improve or to make progress or to advance themselves. And also, they want to stop you from making any sort of progress, right? So that's another characteristic of them. They tend to be people who are always frustrated and all over the place. And I think that when the author of the article says that they're all over the place, I take that to mean that they go from one cause to another, or they go from one victim to another, right? Uh, if they have identified you as a target, then more than likely they've identified others, and then after you, there will be others. And so that's another reason why we do definitely have to take this Procrustes uh, syndrome uh, and the personality very seriously. That these are people who live with a feeling of constant frustration and a feeling of not having control. And because they don't have control, then they seek to impose their control upon others who they deem to be unworthy. Uh, these are individuals also that, that either have extremely low self-esteem or they can have an overinflated, you know, self-esteem, right? They just, they, I think, they think they're the cat's meow. Yeah. Um, that they are the best of the best, right? Or that's how they talk, but then maybe inside they, have, they are def, you know, definitely insecure about themselves for, you know, for whatever reason. They will either think that they're better than you, so they want to knock you down, or right. because they know that they are lacking something, they will still try to knock you down just to make themselves feel better. So uh, in the professional setting, that's what they would do. They would mm -hmm. try to say, oh, you're not that good, or, oh, you have this issue here or there, just to try to humiliate you in front of others and try to feel better about themselves and kind of um, sabotage you, right? Absolutely. In my experience also as an interpreter, kind of beyond my experience as an interpreter, one of the things that I did was, uh, work with a team, right, with a group of people. We worked very closely with each other to help each other achieve our certification goals, right? And so through that, I learned basically how to give feedback, positive feedback, encouraging feedback, constructive feedback when necessary, and then how to receive it. You, there's an art to it. I kind of continued on with that experience and so reached a point where, I, well, I started to coach other people, right? I started to coach teams of people who wanted to achieve their certification goals. And certainly along the way, I've had to deal, or I've, I've had to deal with people who receive some very destructive feedback from their colleagues or from a manager. Somebody that said something like this, oh, you don't know that term? What are you doing? You shouldn't be in this field if you don't know that term. Oh, what makes you think you could even be in this field? That kind of thing. You know, and the, these can be very experienced interpreters. And so now they, they, there's all kinds of obstacles within themselves that they have to overcome because they have that tape playing in their mind of that colleague, of that manager, of that supervisor, again, cutting them down, just undermining their self-esteem, right? So they begin to doubt themselves as, as interpreters. 
and again, these are colleagues also that again, if, if uh, God forbid, if a colleague, you know, misinterprets a word or a phrase, they just jump all over it, right? And, and tell the world, if you will, can you believe that so-and-so said this or did this? And he says, ha, ha, ha. You know, I think that any one of us who works as a translator, who works as an interpreter, we realize just how difficult and how challenging this is. And so I think that we should be gentle with each other, you know, because at any point in time, it could be any one of us that can mess up something. Exactly. And we certainly do appreciate it when someone brings it to our attention for the sake of not to cut us down, but to build us up, to make us better. Uh, somebody who's got a procrastinator syndrome, is they like to sell the idea that they are very empathetic or that they're a team player, but it's really not. A, it's, a fr it's a ruse, right? It's a front. It's something to kind of get you to trust them. But it's truly not a genuine desire, and instead, they are totally driven by an inflated ego and these extremely rigid ideas. Only this type of person can be an interpreter, for example, or to be a translator. Have you encountered this? Have you experienced this? I mean, you're obviously a translator, right? I'm an interpreter, and I'm just wondering if there's some overlap in our professions there. I think that maybe, I'm not an interpreter at all, but maybe it happens more with interpreters because it's more immediate, because yes. interpreters do it live, so there's right. more, there are more people watching. As a That's translator, right. you have to kind of, you know, trace it, who translated what, and try to find it. So I think True. it's like, you know, we're a little bit more invisible than interpreters in that way. But I still see that happening all the time. Uh, sometimes not even with the translation. Um, I have actually something that just uh, came to mind. A colleague of mine just, you know, posting something personal to mm -hmm. her uh, social media, not her professional profile, just talking about something, and she had a typo. And that was enough for someone right. with this kind of personality, this kind of syndrome, so to speak, right. to right. just try to trash her. And this right. is someone that she's a very experienced, amazing interpreter and translator it's not because she's my friend that you know she is very good and she just mm -hmm. had a typo right. on a personal right. message and that right. was enough for someone to just try to attack her and of course because this person is very dear to a lot of people we all came to her rescue and just you know we started right. to just uh, build her up so she wouldn't be upset and right. uh, but it's still upsetting when you see something like that happening absolutely well i mean it's wonderful of course that she does have the support of people like you and others but but how disappointing that this is the world that we live in now, where everything that we say and do is just up for public criticism. And as I mentioned before, you know, again, this forum, it can be such a force for good, right? If we're, if we're making connections with colleagues, for example. I've met colleagues from all over the states, from all over the world, and I'm so grateful for that. I've made some of the, some of the most precious, amazing connections with colleagues. And so there's that. But on the other hand, I've, I've had those experiences where I assert an opinion or I have a different point of view on something. And then sure enough, you know, here come the attacks. Now you put yourself out there. So that's what happens with the online environment, right? Right. And uh, actually, one thing that happened to me, I didn't frame it that way, but Italian is my fourth language, and I know that wow. I'm horrible at spelling it Italian. And yeah. uh, I just try to just give feedback to someone that asked a question and was just sharing my experience. It was an Italian forum for translators and interpreters. And mm -hmm. of course, I said, you know, first of all, excuse me, because you know, that's not my main language. I translate right. from Italian. So uh, I just, you know, said what I wanted to say. And yeah, someone was just making fun of me. Oh my gosh, your syntax is horrible. And I'm like, well, right. teach me then, please, because you are the right. native speaker. 
It's my right. fourth language. I'm just trying to right. share my opinion about the subject that we're talking about. So please let me know and I can actually improve. Just putting right. it out there, uh, it's, you know, just to criticize for the sake of criticism. It's just not constructive at all. Right. And then the person was like, oh, right. I'm sorry. I thought because of your name, my name is very Italian. I know that. So she thought I was a right. first of my first language. I was a native speaker and that I was a horrible translator because my Italian was bad. And I'm like, no, it's not the case. So she apologized and she helped me out. Yeah. She pointed out my mistakes and I learned from that. And I do think right. that, you know, um, in forums that we see online of how people help each other, like you said, it's just to build each other up. Uh, there's right. a lot of talk about, uh, in general terms, of how translators and interpreters are competitors. So don't talk about yourself. Don't share information. Don't talk about how much you charge or what you do. And I, I'm completely against that because I see right. a lot of people as colleagues. I hire right. some friends that you know became friends because I know what they're good at. Some of them hire me or we recommend each other. And like I said, there's so much potential for the good. So why waste our times trying to nitpick people and try to like, you know, pull the rug from under someone just because right. you maybe sometimes, you know, feel bad about what you're doing or you don't feel right. like, you know, you're growing enough. So you knock someone else down. Absolutely. I mean, so you see things the way that I do in terms of the, the benefit of, of collaboration and of interaction and dialogue. I mean, you go, you kind of, you put yourself out there through the podcast, right? That you're trying to support your colleagues in some way by bringing some insight, by, you know, bringing in the experiences of others so that they could benefit, your colleagues could benefit from the experiences of others. And so you're putting yourself out there, right? And so, again, by doing so, you know, unfortunately, especially these days, you put a big bullseye on your back, right? There's a proverb that says this, you know, behold the turtle. He does not make progress unless he sticks his neck out. So that's just a reality, right? If you want to make progress, sometimes you got to stick your neck out. And a lot of people aren't willing to do it because when the turtle sticks his neck out, that's when he's the most vulnerable. Exactly. But guess what? If he doesn't stick his neck out, then he's not going to get to the next, uh, you know, little delicious little feeding place, you know, to get yeah. some food and drink and, you know, to find a place to sleep for the night. So that's a good analogy, of course. Yeah. So now, having said that, unless you have, uh, unless you have any other questions for me, I've got the solution for how to deal with this uh, character. Yes, because we can't just say that everybody who is nice to you maybe try to pull the rug right. under you. Some people are genuinely nice. So right. how can we see the signs better? How can we protect ourselves professionally and personally too? Uh, what is the solution that you came up with after reading the article and studying the, the subject? <laughs> Wow. Well, I tell you what, it is tough because because of what you just said. You know, my first inclination is just to give people the benefit of the doubt, to want to see the good. I would never imagine that a person that I invite to my home, a person that I interact with, a person who's seeing the good that I am doing would find a way to turn that around and try to make it into something bad or evil, right? It's inconceivable for me. But having had the experience once, I suppose it's Made, made me wiser in some way. And it's very much this, uh, this case of, you know, trust, but verify. Proceed with caution. Take your time. When you're meeting someone new, don't be taken in by their charm, right, from the outset. And say, oh my gosh, this person is just the nicest, most charming, most wonderful fella or gal that I've ever met. Proceed with caution. Go slowly with people. Kind of, you know, observe not only how they interact with you, but how do they interact with other people. If you're kind of you know, starting to chat with someone, uh, again, who seems very interested in you, kind of all of a sudden out of the blue, 
uh, maybe look up look up the history of their postings with with other people. You know, I mean, I you just have to proceed with caution ultimately, is and there's no other way around it. But in terms of the solutions that I found from the article, um, that like what to do when you when you do know that you're dealing with a procrastinating personality, it's this: first, learn to understand them, and then later to manage them. And then ultimately, that's what this conversation is about, right? Is learning how to understand you know this particular personality type. That's going to be the first step because if you've never dealt with this or never again didn't even know what to call it or it can be very bewildering because it's so far outside of what we would consider normal behavior. So it can be very tough for us to deal with. So the first step is to understand and then later to manage. And then when it comes to the worst case of someone that's got that procrastinator syndrome going on, the best thing to do is just to create some distance. And then always remember that talent doesn't go along well with threats or rigid and damaging power is another piece of advice. In terms of this idea of distancing yourself, I mean, it really is true. And I think, again, I know that in the past I've made the mistake on, on these forums. I was an English major in school, right? So I learned to debate and dialogue. And I felt that, well, as long as you are able to assert an opinion, back it up with facts, it doesn't matter what your opinion is, as long as you've got something to back it up with. Well, unfortunately, that's not, the, that's not the age that we live in now. It's not the argument or the facts that matter. It's just the amount of emotion, really, that you have for your particular subject. Am I right? Yeah. So here's the thing is that sometimes I think, okay, so somebody asserts an, oh, I assert, assert an opinion, somebody reacts to it. So I try to back it up, try to provide some reinforcements for it. And it's just the more that I write, the worse it gets kind of thing. And so I think, my gosh, you know, I'm going to prevail with wisdom, right? With knowledge, with cunning, with the power and the force of my argument. No, I'm not. You know, okay, I assert an opinion, you disagree. That's as far as I take it, right? I, I, don't, I don't engage in the tit for tat and the back and forth and everything else. And as a matter of fact, on the forum, you don't see those types of, of, of heated debates and dialogues going on because I've just seen over and over and over again that they just create a lot of animosity and, and bad feeling and... It, it really brings the whole spirit of the forum down. So, you know, uh, on the positive side, the, one of the recommendations that the author ma makes is just simply this, is just take a step to look for spaces and people who will let you spread your wings, who are going to encourage you, basically. Kind of recognize, okay, I, I may not be able to um, participate over here, right, with this particular group, but I've got to find another group who will value and appreciate me for who I am. And that's really the best that we can do. And then at the end of the day, too, that don't ever let a procrustus personality break your spirit, that we were all born to stand out in some way, and that we just have to embrace it and find a place where we can bloom. Those are just some of the solutions, if you will. I mean, and if you, and if you know of any other solutions based on your experience, I mean, I certainly am, am open as well. No, oh, I think but. that you summarized it very well. And uh, I, we do agree with uh, this idea of how there's room for everybody. So we don't always have to be the same. We don't have to be good at everything. We can just have different uh, specialties, different um, things that we're good at. And then if we combine forces, that's where, you know, we can thrive. So, um, yeah, I do agree with you. I think the best thing is just to walk away from the situation, not engage, because like you said, back and forth, you're just not going to be able to convince someone to see 
you know what they're doing if they have this kind of syndrome so mm -hmm. uh yeah the best way is just to walk away and just to find places that you can definitely have an exchange with people that will be build you up people that will just teach you something and that you can teach them something just to have a real exchange and not this whole mm -hmm. thing of you know knocking other people down absolutely there is one one other kind of just situation, if you will, that just came to mind right now as you were speaking. What state do you live in? Are you based here in California? Yes, or yes, what? I'm in California, okay. San Diego. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay, terrific. Okay, I, I grew up in San Diego, so that's wonderful. I grew up in Point Loma. Oh, okay. And my, my family still lives in San Diego, so San Diego is near and dear to my heart. But I live in Los Angeles. But either way, we were both impacted by the legislation called AB5, right? Yes. And so here's the thing is that when AB5 came along, it's like there were a lot of our interpreter colleagues who recognized, rightly recognized AB5 for the threat that it really represented to us. And there were so many different groups that were kind of trying to form and trying to do something. And so, and it was really something because I felt, well, gee, I can't get involved with this group for X, Y, and Z reason. I can't get involved with this group. And then I was trying to form another group over here or be a part of another group over here. And inevitably and invariably, there were always kind of these personality clashes that weren't making it possible for there to just be one cohesive group to kind of fight this beast, right? And so it was really something I really felt that there was a lot of just kind of wasted effort, a lot of wasted opportunity, and a lot of effort that was just squandered, frankly, because we weren't able to come together as a cohesive group, you know, because let's face it, there are more than one kind of progressive personality types that really make it almost impossible to create basically unity when you need it in that kind of situation. Now, fortunately, we dodged a bullet because, you know, a group of, uh, of interpreters were able to prevail to get us um, an exemption from AB5. But AB5 is still with us, you know, although interpreters may have gained an exemption. We're not out of the woods entirely. We still have AB5 as the law of the state, if you will. And then now we have the PRO Act that's working its way through the, through the federal government. And the PRO Act was based on AB5. Mm. So, um, you know, what, what the, what, if AB5 didn't kill us, then the PRO Act will. That's another reason why it, it really does uh, behoove us to deal with the procrastes in our profession because they are really going to be an obstacle, you know, for us, you know, moving forward when we do have to deal with those kinds of issues and other issues that will come up, you know. Um, and so I, I suppose that the paradigm that I've always uh, followed is the same paradigm it seems like that you followed, and that's in believing in the benefit of teamwork, collaboration, of supporting each other, of, of trying to, you know, help us be the best that we can be without having to chop somebody's head off. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Perfect to summarize it. And yes, it's working together and not chopping anyone off. Well, exactly. Thank you so much. At least uh, after this very serious conversation, we ended up in a more of a happier note. So yeah. uh, thank you so much for teaching me about that, for helping me identify that and to just you know really stay away from any kind of characters like that. And uh, I hope that people watching can also learn how to identify and to walk away from the situations and just look for more comforting places and work with people that will actually help them out and not try to bring them down. And that sounds great to me. Thank you so much, Rafa, for this opportunity. I really enjoyed speaking with you and, and hopefully we'll have a chance to, to catch up again at some point in the future. Yes, sure will. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Rafa.
send me an email at rlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on my anchor page. If I get enough feedback and voice messages, I can go back to the subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, my anchor page is anchor.fm slash translation dash confessional. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.